Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies. I am Garrett. And I am Carson. And we're back with another Marvel installment, the long-awaited Thor Love and Thunder. Yes, the, the highly anticipated. Yeah. Truly, I, we, we thought this was going to be the, the best Marvel movie of the year, for sure. And then uh, hopefully carry us through to, to phase five and six, because we love this one so much. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you go back and listen to past episodes of this, I know I've said this, and I think you've kind of echoed it, but, you know, Thor's arc in Ragnarok and Infinity War was great. Like, we, uh, my wife and I were watching Thor 1 last night towards the end of bed, and I'm like, God, he was so stuffy. And, like, they really leaned into, like, he's a god, and he has no personality whatsoever, and then to see him change in, in Ragnarok and Infinity War, you're like, oh man, this is great. Thor like Thor became one of my favorite characters at that point. And then you had Endgame, and you're like, okay, where where are we going with <laughs> Thor? So part of my anticipation for this movie, I would say was was like mainly twofold. Like, where are we going with Thor? And then, you know, last we saw Thor, he was leaving with a guardian. So, you know, what are we getting in, in terms of like a team up here with Thor and Guardians? I think that was like my anticipation for this is like those are coming up some of my favorite current Marvel characters, and this is a movie that's going to slap them together. Where are we going? Yeah, you mentioned he was portrayed as a god, but not only a god, but a Viking god, you know. Right. So, as far as um, he was a very multi dimensional uh, in, in the approach in the first two, he was pretty, pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. And so, yes, they did branch out and, and give him more personality, which I think uh, Chris Hemsworth appreciated. Uh, but they, and they explored new spaces and then they got to end game and just kind of, mm. mm-hmm. mm. so it's like, where do we go from here? I, you kind of like the setup of he's leaving to go with the guardians and you're like, okay, that, that fits. Cause we liked him in infinity war with their relationship there. Mm-hmm. That was a good, banter and whatnot and very curious where they're going to go so in all that we had uh christian bale coming in as a villain we had natalie portman coming back as as a thor Mm -hmm. and just potential like that's all all it says is potential but this is this is a marvel movie and so we could have some, some emotions flying. So I want to make sure that we don't interrupt those. Uh, but I want to make sure we also have time for our sponsor this episode of the Exit Room in Lee Summit. Hey guys, as we all start to return to normal after two years of absolute craziness, I've got an idea for something a little different for you to do with your friends and family. Something that gets you out of the house, interacting with actual human beings, and back into the world. We're proud to introduce you to The Exit Room. Go check out this incredible escape room business located in historic downtown Lee Summit, Missouri. The Exit Room is a family-owned, five-star rated, one-of-a-kind escape room experience that has been entertaining the KC Metro area for nearly seven years now. 
They have five uniquely designed escape room adventures guaranteed to challenge, amuse, and even amaze you. Gather your party and come check out their friendly staff, their amazing decor, and contagious energy as you solve puzzles, riddles, and unravel mysteries. But hurry, the exit room is retiring two of their rooms very soon and replacing them with new adventures. Use promo code 2VIEWS at checkout for a 20% discount. That's the numeral 2 and the word VIEW, no spaces. The exit room. Unplug. Interact. Escape. All right, thank you, Exit Room, for sponsoring this episode. And I'm not care if you want to give us our rundown. Yeah, let's do the rundown so we can just get into it. After his retirement is interrupted by Gore the God Butcher, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who now inexplicably wields Mjolnir as the mighty Thor. Together, they embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late. Directed by Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok, as well as Jojo Rabbit and What We Do in the Shadows. Cast as Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, and Russell Crowe. All right, I always defer to you on Marvel. Spoiler free, so let's go. Spoiler free is going to be hard on this one, but we'll, we'll do do our best. Um, uh, and I... <laughs> I was about to say, uh, as a comic book collector, uh, but is one a collector if one doesn't continuously collect, but still has a collection from many years ago? Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Well, I haven't added to the collection, but <laughs> have have comics, still read comics, but don't acquire. But as a comic book, this uh, we have two plot lines from the comics that they have merged into this. The Natalie Portman and then the Gore, the God Butcher, and both... Uh, potentially have a lot of weight to them. Uh, and I won't, we're in spoiler free. So those have a lot of potential that those can make a very emotional movie. Those can make a, uh, a very uh, strong plot with each of theirs converging into one, which I was very excited for. Uh, the issue I think that we ran into is we have a director who wanted to go zany, a little wacky with the, uh, his his movie, which I felt uh, the first time I saw Ragnarok, that he was on the line of of tolerance for me, where he made everybody a comic, and that that was my thing. You need I, I love funny Thor, and that's great. Leave him funny Thor, but everybody in the movie didn't need to be a comic, and so he was right on the line, and I think his foot was over the line, like right on it, um, and here way past. Mm-hmm. way past that and so especially with the, the the plot lines that they were going for it it really felt out of place and not a good fit in my personal opinion yeah i think um there's there's zero doubt that he went hard on the jokes and went maximum jokes and and i agree with you i i didn't i didn't have as much of a problem with the quantity of jokes in ragnarok as you did i felt like it was a very good and not, they, that doesn't mean they all landed. I was just okay with the attempts. But they clearly threw it into a different gear in this movie. And every single scene almost, like, he can't just let a scene be. Even scenes that should have emotional impact, he, like, tries to end it with a joke or just insert a little joke. Like, he just can't let things be. And it is too much. And it um, it, it causes problems. You know, you just get kind of... You feel like you're getting punched with joke after joke after joke. And then, especially when they all don't land, 
you you're just kind of you're getting sick of it by the end of the movie. So I think it's a hundred percent valid criticism, and I think it didn't work to his favor. And he's, I feel like that's a common thread I've heard and read, and it's it's an accurate one, and it weighs the movie down. You know, the when you don't let things breathe. You don't give room for other things to be funny. You don't allow room for other emotions because you're drowning it out with just pure comedy. It it has an effect on the movie. There's no doubt about it. Well, it went from jokes in dialogue to now just slapstick humor mm-hmm. uh, with, with everything from the visuals to the action to, to everything, just how everybody interacts. And so it... It went too far. It's like we're not even in the same universe as the rest of the movies, and so it that and that and that's a problem for me. And I know Marvel is trying to give directors more leniency. They're trying to have different feels, so they're not doing the same uh, the same retread because we're at thirty movies now, you know. And so you need to have something different. But this this was too much, and and I. I'm sure there are people that enjoyed it, um, but I want to get into the, <laughs> into the spoiler section so I can tell why I think there's a huge mistake on this particular movie. And, and Taika is a director that I feel like you can give him an obscure uh, superhero and and let him do his thing with that. But we've been invested in Thor for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Is it? Eight to ten years that we have. Twenty eleven was the first Thor. Yeah. Okay. So that's we want to see him progress into in his storyline, and then you just get so wacky with it. Um, somebody online made a comparison of Ragnarok was Batman Forever, and this was Batman and Robin, and to the point to where it got so outlandish that people are going to stop caring because it's so unbelievably outside the realm of what they were used to in Batman mm-hmm. and kind of ended the franchise. And that's where their, that's where their mind w- was going of Batman forever still was, it was pushing it, but still felt as if it was in the, in the world and Batman and Robin, you got Mr. Freeze and just corny, cheesy and, and lost the, the fan base. I can kind of see that. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't, I don't think Thor is lost as a franchise because I do think that, in the end, they kind of got him back to a spot where it was okay with the way the movie ended. Um, and, I, and I don't think that this is something unrecoverable like Batman and Robin was. I don't think we're that gone off the reservation. So I, I would disagree with that comparison from that standpoint where, like to what you said, Batman and Robin killed the, the Joel Schumacher Batman franchise. I don't think we're, we're at that point with Thor. I do think that my, my biggest complaint about the movie and it does tie into the jokes, is that Thor's arc, I still like where Thor is at now compared to where he was in Thor 1, 2, in the first Avengers. I just don't like old stuffy Thor. Now, has the pendulum swung too far the other way? Yes, it has. Um, Ragnarok in Infinity War was that perfect sweet spot. You know, jokey Thor... He can have fun. He's still a god. He can still be serious. He can still get angry and go after Thanos. This Thor in Love and Thunder made the mistake of his jokes coming at his own expense. He was foppish. He was stupid. He was a bumbling idiot. And that undermines 
what you then try to have Thor be in the end, which is like, you know, you, you, they try to kind of regress, I think, at the end and say, okay, we're going to back it off. And now he's got this emotional core and stuff. But you made him an idiot for three-fourths of the movie. And in fact, if you count Endgame, you made him a fat, lazy idiot for two movies now. And I don't think anybody wants idiot Thor. I think they want fun Thor, jokey Thor. But still, at the core, he's a great person, knows how to fight, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that got lost in both Endgame and this movie. So uh, that's my biggest complaint, is that jokes aside, why did you have to make them all at Thor's expense? Why do you have to make him an airhead? I don't understand that yeah. component of it. Yeah, I mean, you have the kind of man out of time jokes or even man out of his own universe jokes that you can use of he's not from Earth. You know, he's just from a, a say a different country and he's not used to our customs. You know, those work. But like you said, they, they make him uh, stupid. Mm-hmm. And Taika, I saw uh, an interview saying people aren't going to be ready for they don't want to see a Thor like this because they don't see a story of Thor and love. That has nothing to do with it. I no, think it Thor doesn't. and love is, is a fine plot and plot mm-hmm. thread. And I think it would have worked beautifully through this movie. Even if you had the same plot beats all the way through from beginning to end uh, without a script, like this is what's going to happen all the way through. I think that can be a very, very strong, very good movie. But the tone was so off of what they were trying to do that it, it truly takes you out of it. And if you're saying it's for the kids, great. It's for the kids. Um but this is not what we are accustomed to in the MCU. And I don't see how uh, further movies like this will be sustainable. I don't think so. I I think they're going to experience a little bit of backlash. It's, it's going to be like, I I get trying to move away from the Marvel formula, but like to my comment earlier, the pendulum swung too much. And that's not to say that I I don't want a Marvel movie that's overly funny or overly jokey. I just think you don't want to do it at the expense of the core of the character that you have. Uh, and, and that's what they did with Thor. You need to find another way to make it funny and feel different because I'm all for variety. I, I, I'm okay with giving directors some leniency as long as you're like, it, it's kind of one of those, um, you know, statistical graphs that you see, right? The, the line is supposed to be progressing upwards and to the right. And you're going to have these dots all over that line that are, you know, off the main trajectory. But when you average it out, you're all going towards the same goal. And you might have one that's dark and a little slow and that, you know, bullet point or whatever would be down at the bottom left. And you might have one that's jokey and lighthearted and that one's at the top right. So let people and let movies have that variety to give to give some um, dynamics to the MCU franchise enterprise. But you got to be kind of all going in that same trajectory. And I think the combination of this movie being very different or to the extreme, but then also not having like that guiding light of where we're going in the MCU just kind of, it does make it feel like it's going to end up being this one off that's out in the middle of nowhere. And I think if you at least have the craziness with the, the, the drive towards that goal, people will be a little bit more accepting, but now it just feels like, wow, this was, not only was this one off, but I don't really understand how this is connected to anything the MCU is doing right now. You, it's going to end up feeling out on its own in no man's land. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Uh, I want to go back to the, the Batman analogy of Batman didn't have the advantage of moving the character into somebody else's movie 
to to kind of give you a reprieve from their their line. So Thor got to go into Endgame and kind of take a, a, a sidestep from Ragnarok. Versus, and so you got to see different directors' view of him opposed to just progressively getting to this. And I think if Batman had some of that, it might have been sustainable. Uh, but I, I do agree. I think Marvel took this phase four and said, let's try to do some different genres. We have a Kung Fu movie in Shang-Chi that, again, leaned at the end more CGI. Then we got kind of a, an art house movie in Eternals that worked or didn't work. You know, that's kind of, then they went, okay, horror. Let's try to do a horror movie that lean more towards horror on the Doctor Strange. That whether I don't think they're hitting uh, these movies, but I don't mind the direction of trying. Uh, I get the try. I think they failed uh, in their attempt, but I'm not bashing them for trying that. I just mm-hmm. think if you bring in Sam Raimi, you know what you're going to get with Sam Raimi, and I think that was kind of a mistake if that's what they're going with this. I think if you give uh, Taika this free reign, we know he's a weird guy. You know, he's a, he likes his slapstick humor. He he's just he's just that kind of guy. If you give him free reign, he's going to do something like this movie, and that's mm-hmm. I feel like that's on Kevin mm-hmm. uh, Feige uh, over. Uh, over Marvel, he's gotten a bad rap of not letting directors uh, do their vision. And so a lot of directors have left projects for creative differences. And I think maybe he's like, you know what? I'll let you try some, you know, mm-hmm. without my hand in it. And this is what we've gotten. The, these these movies that don't have a great... It definitely doesn't have a Marvel feel, uh, but I don't think they're landing like, like we want to like we want to um like like i want to but that's not fair i'm not i'm not all audiences <laughs> but it's uh it doesn't feel like the rest of them yeah um but but also to your point of the through line it's not clear where all these are going um mm. and i'm trying to put myself back into phase one because this is essentially a new phase one of did we know uh the iron man connection to the thor to Captain America, you know, and the Incredible Hulk, they all didn't necessarily have a big bad um, Thanos yet until Avengers. Mm-hmm. We're trying to introduce the characters, but the problem is you have these existing characters like Doctor Strange and Thor that need to be tied into the rest of this world that we can see, okay, we're, we're going somewhere, we're building towards something because right now it doesn't seem like they seem like more standalone movies that you can just watch and forget. Yeah. And I think the difference being back when, you know, the first infinity saga was kicking off, you also weren't inundated with as much content, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are getting blasted with three movies a year, three series a year. Like there's, they have not slowed down the content. And so I think then you're left to sort, sort of like wonder, okay, well by this time, content wise in phase one or not even phase one, but the infinity saga, like you, I think things were starting to come together if, if not almost culminating by this time content wise, right? Like once you factor in like the runtime of all the episodes and all the movies that we're talking about already, like we've got a lot. And so I think it's one of those things where, you know, and and I think also you can kind of pick apart some things, right? Like you can kind of sense like, like there's a multiverse thread, right? Because we've got, Spider-Man and Multiverse of Madness and Loki in that space. 
But then you've got all these other things that like don't seem to be coming together yet. And they're also not recognizing the multiverse. So it's like, well, you can kind of maybe think about where it's going. And then you, you thought maybe if you were following along with Loki that Kang was going to be the guy. And now we've gone how many shows and movies now without any mention of Kang? Yeah. So I think it's... And to your point, I also think there's a precedent set that, hey, we are we are having some kind of approach, right? There, there's these phases, and we are going to work towards something. So I think once you set that precedence, now the audience is thinking, okay, well, this isn't a massive reset button, right? Like, we're, we're not 20-something movies in, and then we're just saying zero. Like, we expect things to sort of just continue the ball rolling, and I think instead what we're all feeling like is that, oh, man, they just hit they just reset us to zero because now I don't know where we're at and I don't know where we're going. And and for new characters and new adventures, sure. But when you've got, like to your point, Strange and Thor and Guardians and Black Panther coming up soon that are all remnants of that first saga, where where are we? And I, I think that's a reasonable question for audiences to ask, especially with all the content. I mean, we got She-Hulk coming another month. We had Ms. Marvel just finished. How does this all play together? And I think that's not answered. And so when you get these, like to my point, when you get these one-off movies, it's like a combination of, Oh, that didn't hit. And I don't know where we're going. It's like a double dose of, ugh. Well, I, yes. And, uh, you have the introduction of these concepts that each movie is introducing of, you have eternals that introduce space, uh, introduce, but reaffirm space celestials and how big space is and creation of earth. Uh, we have a giant celestial sticking out of planet Earth that nobody's referenced since then. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh yeah, this giant creature that tried to destroy the Earth is just hanging there in the in the ocean. You have the multiverse. You have time travel with Loki. I mean, that these are all three very different uh, concepts. And then here with Thor, we have oh the infinite pantheon of gods. Mm-hmm. You know, so we it's like. <laughs> pick a lane mm-hmm. you know uh, of you could have had the all of phase four talking about time travel with loki and mm-hmm. and whatever they're dealing with and kind of play with that you you could have done the whole thing with the multiverse or even e- eternals like it's 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 almost too much mm-hmm. for the audience to, to stay with because we like you said you can't see the connection through um you, uh, a a person like myself was like diving into the comics of where could this be all culminating. And we kind of talked about that a little bit in the Dr. Strange one, but this doesn't match and this has nothing to do with any of that. Yep. And so while Dr. Strange and the Spider-Man thread could make a lot of sense of an incursion and whatnot, but let's Thor and Zeus and, and all that tying into any of this. Right. Well, and I guess before we circle back in and kind of talk about, this movie, my last comment on the MCU would just sort of be like, in general, I feel like I'm starting to watch these things out of obligation. Like I've committed this much to it, so I'm gonna just stick with it. As opposed That's to any the genius, That's well, right. the genius of this is you. Is they feel they did that on. I feel like on purpose of every movie tied into some way the next one to right. make you watch it. But now I, yes. I, I I know where you're going with this. Yeah, at, at some point obligation only becomes so much like it was like watching the walking dead and I got to like season three or four and you know, I was just hanging on by a thread, right. Where I'm like, okay, I may, I've gone this far. Maybe I should just keep committing, keep committing. And all it took was for me to get behind, you know, a few episodes or to just not care for 
a handful of episodes and then it's like, uh, that's just too much of a commitment for me to regain my traction. I, I'm out. And I, I'm not quite at that point with Marvel yet, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like we're getting near that point where it's just like, am I really interested or excited to see Black Panther 2? No, I'm not. But do I feel like I need to go see it so I can just hope and hope that like this is going to be the next thing that kind of brings us all together? Yes. But when I walk out of that movie, if they've messed it up again, I'm that much closer to just being like, you know what, guys? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not excited to watch this stuff. And maybe I'll wait for other people to tell me what happens in it. And then I'll go back and watch it if that re-energizes it. But I just feel like the excitement in all this is starting to wane because almost every movie and show that they're churning out now has not been really exciting or produced great results or left me walking away wanting more. And there's only so much of that the audiences can take before they just say, you know, I'm not showing up for this one. Well, and they need, they need some connection, like you said, of, uh, and I don't know if what's true and what's not, but Oscar Isaac potentially is done as Moon Knight. I'm sure we may get a cameo here, but this was a great movie to potentially put him in, you know, and tie in into his world. If you, that the, that the series are necessary mm-hmm. to the movies, like that's where the, they need to have those connections to keep you on. And so it's, tying in Ms. Marvel into, and maybe she'll be part of the Marvels, uh, the Captain Marvel movie that that's coming out. I'm assuming so. Uh, but that's, you have to have that cross cross pollination, if you will, that, mm-hmm. uh, these are connected to keep you going. Cause is Ms. Marvel the, the best TV series? I, I would not say so, but do I feel like I'm watching it to gain insight into what could happen in the Marvels? I, that that's why I'm watching it. Um, you know, and, and so I don't want to miss something of the, okay, they're introducing dimensions and, and stuff in that, that show that I thought are, will be important, but we're not but the, getting, but the more and more they don't pay those off, the yep. more and more you're just going to be like, well, I don't care. Right. Like what, what is Hawkeye's payoff right now? I mean, maybe we just don't see it yet, but as of right now, there's no payoff. What was Falcon and winter soldiers payoff? There's not one as of right now. And, Captain America Force barely, I don't even think it's off the ground yet. So it just kind of becomes one. And the payoff for Falcon and Winter Soldier, let's be honest, was something we already knew was going to happen. Sam is Captain America. Cool. We got it. Um, so yeah, the more and more that these things exist and they, they eventually don't pay off and they're just average, you're just like, what, what am I doing here? Like, I, I don't love this property as much as I used to, so I'm just not going to do this anymore. And I think the start of that was kind of Black Widow. Uh, while I really enjoyed the movie, it was in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't pertain anything. It was more of a fun aside, but you're like, okay, well, that didn't really tie into anything other than give us a nice little Natasha movie, mm-hmm. which she deserved, but things already happened. So right. uh, then all these characters that you introduce, yeah, we got Florence that moved forward just so we know who she is, but the movie felt like it was out of place because it was in the past and it is Mm -hmm. out of place. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back like that doesn't move things forward. And how is they try to tease Shang-Chi into something with abomination, (laughs) uh, you know, at the in Wong. Or was that just an Easter egg throw in? You know, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, and then they mention they show Wong in there. Uh, mm-hmm. We need your help with whatever, and then we move to Doctor Strange in the multiverse with Wong. Mm-hmm. No mention or sight of, of Shang Chi, and that mm-hmm. it's like, why not? Why wouldn't you bring him into that? Uh, you mess up his character arc somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but why put Wong in, in that movie if you're not gonna? And Wong's never. They didn't even mention. Like mm-hmm. I feel like he should have mentioned. You know, Shang-Chi of, hey, or at least the rings of some sort. So, you know right. that these are connected and and they're they haven't been doing that. And that's that's the tease that people like is this is connected. And mm-hmm. I think they're dropping the ball here. They are. Um, OK, so let's circle back around to spoiler free on like this movie itself before we head into spoilers. Um, you know, I think the other things I would touch on from this is generally speaking, I liked Christian Bale. I liked Gore the God Butcher. Uh, thought it was a little bit underserved of a character, despite me liking it still and thinking it's one of the more cool and interesting villains in MCU because th- that typically does not have good one-off villains if we're, you know, that's been a fair criticism of all the Marvel movies. I would have liked to have seen more of him, but I thought he was good with what he did. Um that to me was one of the big takeaways. I, I did like some of the emotional stuff they tried to do with Thor. I just think it's clouded by all of the other stuff that we've talked about that went on. I did like the style. I thought the visuals were cool in this movie. Um, you know, it, I feel like Marvel CGI is slipping. If I'm being honest, I don't know if they're getting lazy, if they're rushing, but I, I just f- feel a decline I, in this. I feel like they had to switch studios. Perhaps. After phase four or during COVID well, or something. Let's be honest. One of the worst CGIs was Black Panther. I mean, so it, bad CGI has existed here and there. And I'm sure they're yeah. farming it out to different studios each time. So it's it's not a new thing. But I just feel like it's getting... And, and part of this is the scale of things, right? When you're going full gods and full Asgard and full multiverse and full uh, Eternals. Like things just have to be done in CGI, but I feel like it's getting poor, but pacing's a little off in this movie. Tone's a little off. I didn't have a problem with any of the acting. I, I, I thought that more of the problem was just with the writing and the story, but I thought people tried to execute on what they were given. So I, I don't really feel like there was bad acting anywhere. Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of my like roundabout, you know, final spoiler free ish thoughts on Thor. Uh, I 100% agree with you on Christian Bale and uh, and Gore, the God Butcher, and we'll get into that in spoilers. I thought he was a great pick. Um, I think he's a great villain. I think he was wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked I like Natalie Portman. Um, I liked her arc in this movie. I like what it could have been. Um, uh, Tessa Thompson. I thought did okay. I don't think they really gave her much to to work with or even be in this movie. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. I, re- I really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost seemed like they were just throwing her in there because she happened to be around. I, I, I felt I felt she was out of place. Um, like they just need to throw her in. I think they were juggling a lot of characters, right? I mean, you're, you're juggling Thor and Korg and Tessa and Gore and Natalie Portman. You know what I mean? Like there's already five right there that you're you're trying to juggle to a certain effect and 
yeah, I think yeah. they had her there to do something. But what did did she have a substantial impact or was she overly great? No, I mean I like that character. I wish they would do more with it. But I, in yeah. this movie, I'm not sure without a massive rewrite what you do to involve her more than what she was. Yeah, and I like her delivery and I like her her banter and I think mm-hmm. she's good at, at what she does. I think if everybody else was toned down, she would have really stood out uh, with the minimal things that they gave her to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on just about every every point that, that you have. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> my wife asked me, did you like this more than Doctor Strange? And we had fair criticisms of Doctor Strange and we're not happy. And I go, I hate that that's even a comparison. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a lady at work asked me, is this worse than Dark World, who has been panned by audiences and critics as one of the worst Marvel movies? And as different as they are, I think that they're on similar levels of, yeah, one's more, one's a comedy. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, you can't not put this in, a, in a, the comedy realm. And then the other one obviously is brooding and and kind of, geared more towards action i guess but not i don't even mm-hmm. know what we're really to, to put that <laughs> to put that into uh but unfortunately they're they're at the same level for me and i don't know which i need to see this one again and maybe i'm overreacting to my first of what i wanted it to be and what it could be to, to what it actually is but i think they're on similar levels and that's why my rating on this one is one of the lowest mcu movies that i give and i feel like I want to give it a two and a half. Uh, my Marvel bump usually gets all of them to at least a three, mm-hmm. but I've my disappointment, I think, has brought me to a two and a half. Okay. Um, I mean, you're you're wrangling with some of the same questions I was, especially in terms of multiverse of madness comparison, which they are tough to compare for a lot of different reasons. But I think it's fair to say, like, we're back to back on those two movies. We're in this phase, so like, there's always going to be some of that compare contrast. Um. I'm at a three on this movie. I, I did like it. I mean, it, it, it has its problems. But I haven't seen The Dark World, and I don't know how long. Um, but I watched probably half of Thor just last night, the, the original Thor. Um, it, it's, it, I would rather watch Thor Love and Thunder than probably the first two Thors. I mean, easily. It's not even a question to me. And would I rather watch Thor Love and Thunder than Multiverse of Madness? 100%. Every day of the week, I would rather watch this no no question and that's probably just a personal thing right i i didn't dig the style you like the character better than dr strange 100 percent. i like the character i don't like the magic fights are just idiotic to me i don't like them so there's a lot about (laughs) dr strange that i just generally speaking don't like even though my comments on the first dr strange is that i felt like there was a lot of opportunity there to make that character really cool and something that would actually appeal to me not that i'm the solo audience on that but it just hasn't done that for me um and yes I, I left Infinity War with Thor probably being at or near the top of my Marvel character list, which is a massive turnaround from the just stale mm-hmm. thing that he was in 1, 2, and Avengers. So, yes, this is overkill. Yes, the jokes didn't hit. There's way too many of them. I'm going to steal a line that I think we both used, and you used it in Multiverse of Madness, and I don't agree with you in Multiverse of Madness. Like you said... Somewhere in there is a really good movie, and I, I disagree on multiverse, multiverse of Madness. I don't think there's a good movie in there, from my perspective. I do think in 
Thor Love and Thunder. There is a good movie there. Uh, the Too Many Jokes killed it, um, which was a lot. And I and I think that the core of that Thor and Natalie Portman story could have been really impactful. And even Gore's story could have been way more impactful. Mm-hmm. I think you scale back the jokes. Honestly, there's a whole section of the gods that are introduced in Omnipotent City that I think could be taken out of this and replaced with something way more impactful. I do think there's a good movie in here. Like, I don't think you can re-edit it to make it a good movie. There needs to be some right. insertion into this. Um, but I would much rather watch this. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's you know anything. I, I'm at three stars, so it's not like I'm raving about it. But in the pantheon of Thor movies, you know, there's Ragnarok, and if you count Infinity War, you know, that's up there too as far as Thor movies. And then I put this one right under there. I'd much rather watch this than you know. From a Thor perspective, then Avengers 1, Avengers 2, Thor 1, and Thor 2. Uh, I just like, despite the foppishness and idiocy of Thor, there's still enough there that I like, and it's just a more enjoyable experience to me than, than some of the other stuff. But again, not without its flaws. I'm not raving about it. I'm only at a 3. Yeah, and I think, I think the disappointment of you have the right plot. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, but you're right. There's not an, an edit. There's not a uh, a director's cut that this could uh, this could work. It's you'd have to rewrite the lines, rewrite, right. you know, re- reshoot stuff. But the the idea is there. Yeah, it <laughs> is. So, but let's uh, let's dive into that and into the spoilers. All right, let's do it. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. All right, where do you want to go in spoilers? What, what's itching for you? Okay, so um, just mentioned it, but we're going to go with the plot. So I start with uh, gore. They start us, I thought, wonderfully. Of You're your in gore's mind of him. You show him and his daughter. His daughter dies. He's praying to the gods. The gods don't answer. His daughter dies. You know, so you're already in this... Uh, trying to get in the head of gore of but he's still they still have him as a faithful person until he meets this most outlandish freaking character that they had which ruined that scene <laughs> that it was it was written terribly and poor christian bale was trying to act with this buffoon which i don't even know who that guy was uh but the lines were terrible and they could have made that scene much more impactful of I don't care about the people that worship for me. I'm a God and you're not making him making you feel his emotions of, I don't care about your daughter type of thing uh, to where he becomes the God butcher. Cause the God butcher I think is a fantastic villain, but they don't show him butcher any gods. <laughs> no, no. Unbelievable. They, they completely miss the mark on that. Unbelievable. Like this is the, one of the coolest characters that Marvel has come up with of this guy who has been empowered by something and this and this is the what the necro sword yep of he can kill gods and he's motivated to kill gods cuz he he has this passion of gods don't care about us mm-hmm. and so gods shouldn't exist and I'm going to do something about it I'm going to kill them mm-hmm. and it's a great series in the comics of him going planet to planet going through these gods and and killing them and thor 
following this this trail of dead gods and these dead these civilizations that no longer have gods and he's trying to be their god to, to give them you know something and that's a that's a great storyline to go through uh for the could you kind of sympathize with gore you know his, of why'd you let these bad things happen you know and he's taking it obviously to the extreme mm-hmm. uh and you you're kind of on that sort of like that thanos thing of oh you know, some people, you know, our buddy Dusty, friend of the podcast, that he likes to say Thanos is right. We're overpopulated and <laughs> resources. You kind of sympathize a little bit with good villains, and that's mm-hmm. that's where this guy is. And you show him not do anything cool. Yeah, you know, and that's the other part of it. it really, I like the look. I like Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. You could have gone a long way with that. Yeah, they they skipped too quickly from one god kill getting the necro sword to kidnapping kids and manipulating Thor, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just the it, you're left to connect too many dots in your head. Plus, when you call somebody a god butcher, like you want to see him butcher some gods. Like I don't think that's asking for too much. <laughs> he he would have felt like way more of a threat and way more of a cool villain had you seen him striking down some of these. And, and again, it's not like the Marvel audience knows a lot of gods, but like, what does it really matter, right? Like, mm-hmm. throw some people to the to the wind, right? Like, just insert some names that we know of Greek mythology because we're already doing that later in the movie, anyways, right? right. And and have them killed, you know. Um, even if it's just a montage, like, do that. Which I'm not saying I'm like a huge fan of modern day montages, but like, there's a way to get that across. And I think that is a primary complaint. And it's credit to you know some of the writing, some of the visuals. And Christian Bale, that I can still walk away from this thinking, oh man, Gore was really good and really cool, but still have this complaint of like, why could, he could have been even way better, right? So I a thousand percent agree with you that more more butchering was necessary. I, I'm okay with the first god that he encounters being goofy and silly and all that because I think that just sets the stage even more that like this god that you worshipped and thought was all powerful, or whatever, is is a buffoon is is just stupid. I mean, not only is he just maybe not like misaligned or you know, Thanos had his principles that he was just sticking to, but he was clearly was like a man of or a god or a titan of, you know, reason and logic. He had a a line of thinking that you could think about. Contrast that with what Gore encountered is like just a complete idiot, a moron, and you're like, this is the god I've been worshiping? No, no, you took my daughter, or you didn't save my daughter? I- I'm killing you, right? And I think that could have paid off way better in the end if, you know, as Gore, you know, encounters more and more gods, and they are kind of idiotic, or realize how, I mean, because even Zeus is presented as really, really stupid, right? So, like, it, let's say Gore encounters more and more of these stupid gods. Well, the conclusion to that arc could be he finally encounters a god at least worthy. one that's worthy and that has this emotional core and is willing to sacrifice everything he's worth or for to save Natalie Portman, or even maybe to save Gore's daughter. I mean, that's not, that's not how it plays out, but I'm saying like that would be a good arc to be like, he's killing all these gods because he thinks none of them are worthy. And then he finally sees that Thor is one that is worthy and that changes the dynamic at the end. That's not what happens. That's not how it pays off, but that's how it could have been. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, man. More, more God butchering. Um, but credit where credit's due, like the shadow stuff was really cool. His, his look and feel was really cool. Um, they had something there. They just didn't quite go for it. 
Well, I mean, what I meant by the God that he first encounters, I just think the dialogue was really bad. And so sure. I'm fine with him being a, a buffoon. As mm-hmm. long, I'm just saying his, his dialogue, he was a, to me, it felt like a really bad actor and just the way he was delivering these, these lines. Yeah. And, and I'll have to look him up. I don't even know who he is or I don't if either. I've ever seen him before, but it, it seemed, I mean, ha- having seen the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay. I guess he fit in the movie because the rest of it was ridiculous, but we just saw this, this guy's daughter die and he buried her and then you encounter silliness mm-hmm. and, and, just, and truly I thought it was bad acting. And so, uh, it just is like, ah, okay, that's, that's kind of, but I was like, forget it. He killed him. He's becoming the God butcher. Great. But then you have a scene of Sif, Jamie Alexander lying with her arm cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, it, why not show Gore taking her arm, killing that God? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's a good scene, you know, that, that shows, we know Sif at least some power level. And then he just makes, you know, just cuts through her like like she's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been kind of establishing is this guy anything? Because mm-hmm. we didn't even see him fight. We saw him basically stab a guy. Right. Um but we, we don't know how cool he could be. He can't even stand to be next to Thor. Like yep. that we we have no no gauge of how scary this guy should be. Yep. Um or these other gods. So that's that's really the biggest disappointment of of that plot line is we didn't get to see him do cool stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like it was, it was a waste. Cause you could have, like you mentioned, in, introduce these gods. We get to see the gods of Olympus pick off a few. Like, yep. are we ever going to use Apollo? You know, everyone knows Apollo, <laughs> right. you know, are we ever going to use some of these? You don't have to waste, you know, Aries or, or Mars or where are we? That was Zeus. So Aries, you know, and so we don't have to waste them because we can use them later in the comics. But some of these right. that you don't know, you know, he could be killing these people. We just got introduced to a whole pantheon of Egyptian gods in Moon Knight. Pick a few of them out. No one's ever heard of them, but Thor references a couple, you know, as he's going to the city and have them be butchered. So we have some idea of who these people are already that they should have been, they should have been killed. Yep. Killed in cool ways. Yep. It's my my classic saying on this podcast of, you're relying on us to fill in the gaps, right? Like instead of making us feel a certain way, you're just assuming that we'll feel a certain way. So you show us that big screen of all these gods dying and that little clip of Sif and then Thor saying, well, that was one of the nicest gods ever. And he killed him. Like you're, you're allowing me to fill in the blanks, which I can do, but then I don't really feel anything about it. Whereas if you Mm -hmm. show me Gore doing that stuff, I'm like, okay, we're, we're into something now. So yeah, it just, it undercuts bail. Even a line of what that God did or didn't do before Gore killed them, you know, just mm-hmm. puts you kind of in a sympathetic mood towards him mm-hmm. of these people needed water and you didn't. Like, that was kind of his thing is all we needed was water and you have all this water and you refuse to, yep. you know, to help. Uh, some, something along those lines as he's butchering these gods would have been would have gone a very long way in mm-hmm. this movie. The second plot line, which I think is fantastic, is Jane's of She Has Cancer. Mm-hmm. She has cancer, and the hammer is weeding out the treatment. So it's uh, the chemo. That, that's what it has in the comics. Is the, chemo, the hammer is actually burning through the chemo therapy, and so it's not helping her. And this one, they, they kind of twist, use that same idea. The hammer is actually weakening her body, mm-hmm. and so the chemo can't, can't help. And that is extremely powerful. 
I think for for Jane of this is her choice to be a hero knowing it's going to kill her is basically the definition of being a hero. Mm-hmm. Like that's the god that Gore wishes to have sacrifice for people. And so you have this dynamic of selfish god versus what Jane's doing is selfless. Mm-hmm. And and that is a cool dynamic that you can't have a cancer story when every other line is a joke. Mm-hmm. It takes you out of it. And there yep. was one small, small piece of emotion that I saw in this entire movie is when you saw Jane show up and Thor realized that she chose to die to help. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like, God, that could have been even so much more powerful had we had this kind of thing throughout the entire movie. Yep. That wasn't bombarded with jokes. Yeah, that that's really the problem is that when you're constantly bombarded with one-liners, like I said in the spoiler free stuff, you, you can't let anything breathe and it suffocates all other emotion if you let it get to that point. And they just couldn't let anything be. I mean, even when him and Jane are having a tender moment on like the boat when they're traveling, he can't let it go with like Stormbreaker creeping back in and the whole joke, which I, the running joke between Stormbreaker and Mjolnir was actually funny to me, but like it was, there's a time and place for it. And sometimes you just got to let it go. And I'm also thinking of the hospital scene when Natalie, when you first see her like being really frail after being Thor for a while, I know there's some jokes in that scene. I don't remember it, but it's like, you got to just let it go sometimes, man. It can't, not every scene can have a joke in it. Like, it just undercuts every other emotion and doesn't make you feel anything. And you're right. It, it really detracted from what could have been some emotional resonance that I think they try to get to in the end. But by that time, you're just like, you're almost just sitting there waiting, like, how are they going to undercut this one? Right. And there's only, only so much an audience can take of just being bombarded with, with that misfiring of jokes. And even the jokes that land, it's just too, too damn jokey sometimes for anything else to exist. And if this was a heist movie like Ant-Man, hit, hit us with joke after joke. But we're dealing with a, a guy who's having an existential crisis mm-hmm. with his relationship with God. And then you have cancer. You know, and this needs to be a heavier movie. You have two very heavy topics. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can lighten it up with some jokes here and there. Right. But, but you decide to tackle both of them in the most ridiculous way possible. Mm-hmm. And this could have been a very... Just it could have been a very heavy emotional that you you felt along with everybody, and I feel like it was it was wasted, and that's right. that's what brings my my rating down is the potential of what this could have been and should have been. Right, and I think the other problem for me was like the resolution of of Thor's mental state. Like at no point did I like you just said existential crisis. At no point did I feel like he was ever actually in an existential crisis. Like I think they talk about it, you know, like. He's just trying to find out who he is again and all this stuff, which is kind of this retread of Thor's whole thing. Like, how many times is he going to, like, forget who he is and then try to find himself? Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the the resolution to that didn't really make any sense because I didn't feel like he was in an existential crisis. I just felt like he was an idiot. And And how does Natalie Portman, going through what she did and teaching Thor how to be a hero or him trying to sympathize with Gore losing his daughter and all that, because, like, like, that those events to me don't solve the fact that you're a buffoon. It might solve the fact that you're in an existential crisis, but that's not what I thought about this movie. I thought you're an idiot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and how do you solve you're an idiot? I I don't, that's the problem for me is like the conclusion doesn't solve the problem that's supposedly laid out. The conclusion solves 
how do I be worthy and how do I, um, you know, Chris Pratt does say this in the beginning, you know, it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all is essentially what he's saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And the end of the movie tries to solve that. But what the movie presupposes for a three fourths of its runtime isn't that it's, I'm an idiot. I'm a buffoon. (laughs) So that's one of the key disconnects for me in this whole thing. Yeah. uh, There's, I I don't know how, yeah, you're right on on all that. Like that's, and so you, you plot wise, we dropped the ball Mm -hmm. because we wasted plot. Uh, I'm going to shift to the thing, things I like. Um, I liked that they, Thor's costumes, they paid homage to just about everyone that he's worn through the comics. Mm-hmm. The Thunderstrike to uh, the big gold, gaudy stuff of people's different interpretations. Clearly, those were 80s mm-hmm. Thor uh, designs you know, that they had. And so now the fact that you could just change it with the hammer, weird, okay, but oh, sure, sure. fine. Right. Um, I, I like that. You know, I, I like the look of the God Butcher. You know, we, we talked about that. I like I liked that piece. I liked Natalie Portman, the way that uh, he said to his hammer, basically he enchanted the hammer to protect mm-hmm. her. Uh, I don't feel like that was really paid off, but it gave a reason why it worked for her. But I got yeah. the impression that like Thor just sort of forgot that. Yeah. Because they put it in yeah. there, but then he acts like he doesn't really know why Mjolnir is not coming to him or whatever. And it's like, well, you told but you gave us yeah. a scene where you explicitly told Mjolnir to protect her. So whatever. Yeah. And so I don't think that was, that was paid off, but mm-hmm. I like the idea of that. Yeah. And then it coming together. Um, I was okay with it breaking apart and coming back together to use as the weapon yeah, differently. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but when it comes to the fight scenes, I don't think they really did anything cool. And sure. I'll, I'll I'll even say, I mean the the splits and all that whole scene, just <laughs> the back flipping. It wasn't even a backflip, but physics and anyway, uh, at the beginning, just totally took me out of it. Like this was this is so stupid. The mm-hmm. splits and everything. I liked the idea of them all getting hammered. Ham, pun intended. Mm-hmm. The, the, them getting beaten down. The guardians getting beaten down. And then they say, "Hey Thor, hey big mm-hmm. guy, you know we kind of need you." And then him come and do his business. I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. I hated how it was executed. Of course. You know, because again, we went slapsticky. We didn't go cool Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the kids got their powers, I'm like, okay. Um, but nothing cool. Like you didn't mm-hmm. see anything really cool with it. And right. then got silly with it and the bunny rabbit. But mm-hmm. there was no standout cool scene. Although I will say there was one part where hit Thor's fight with Gore where they kind of sped it up to show that they were on a different level, like twice. Like they had like real fast fighting um, twice, which, which looked really, really cool, which I wish there would have been a, a better fight choreographed in there, how they mm-hmm. were filming that. But it was so brief that it was like, oh, oh, look at that. Like that's right. that's kind of cool. And then it went away. So I, I just, there's no let me see this again because I want to watch that that part. See, I have one. I loved everything on that little mini planet when it went black and white and Gore was really using the shadows and then the fight that they have against the monsters and Thor's fighting him and all that stuff. Like, 
that to me was a standout scene. Visually, I thought it was really great. I thought Bale acted really well in it. I thought, I mean, the fight itself didn't really, I wasn't like, oh, these are cool maneuvers or choreography, but like just the visuals and stuff were enough for me to be like, oh man, this is this is something right here. Like I've never seen this in a Marvel movie. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it in any other kind of movie, like the use of colors. Like when Natalie Portman was having Mjolnir and like she would be lit up partially in color. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of stuff was very, very cool to me. And I would love to see that one again. It's not enough to, you know, like, totally be like oh my god like that's one of the top scenes but visually like that's one of my favorite scenes in all the mcu i thought that was just very shot very well i love how they use the shadows on that made me think gore was super creepy again and can have all this power and stuff so i i really that's for me is the standout scene on that one but at the same time they crash into a tiny planet a la rick and morty and yeah. that is just cheesy of them walking sure. around the, i mean it looked, looked really stupid so i'm already out of it you know and then pulling me back in you know it takes it takes more to pull me back into a cool looking scene, you know, because like God, you know, really, you right? Know, like these these like ah, uh, frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, got got to get to Zeus. Mm-hmm. You cast Russell Crowe, like good choice for Zeus. Then you let him do that. <laughs> Could we let not have given him, him or... a personal trainer? Like, like yeah, he clearly was. And they just slapped the thing on him. And maybe that was their excuse to be playing into Zeus being a lazy god and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I'm not saying he has to get Chris Hemsworth jacked, who, by the way, was an absolute oh my monster. God. Good Lord. Huge. But let's, let's get Russ in a little bit of shape for a Zeus role, please. Like, So do you think they asked him to and he didn't? Do you no, think that I was even know. a conversation of, no, we like you in your fat state, just like this? I don't know. He he probably, I, I can't see Russell being willing to do it. And I bet they were like, well, we're going to write you to be an idiot anyway, who's like a lazy, fat, you know, never, but Thor says it in dialogue, you know, never meet your heroes kind of guy. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it mattered too much. But part of me was like, really? Like, I don't need you to be ripped, but can we... Can we yeah, at you're least Zeus. do a little you're something? You're Zeus. You're the yeah. king of the gods, you know? Right. Yeah. But I think that's what they would say. They they wrote that to be, you know, man behind the curtain, not really who he was, you know, past his prime Zeus, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's what you're going to get and whatever. Yeah. And I even liked the fact that Thor looked up to Zeus. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like even more so than, than Odin that Zeus was higher than mm-hmm. than Odin on the hierarchy, you know, son. And that's not how it necessarily is in the comics, you know? So that was an interesting play. It's like, okay, you know, we've already gotten rid of Odin. So you might as well have a, you know, somebody else that he kind of looks up to more powerful and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then that was just the worst, the Mm -hmm. absolute worst. And we didn't meet anybody else. So the only God that we met there was, I mean, you kind of could see, okay, they're using, uh, there were some Easter eggs in the, in the gods that you could tell who was who, but right. Like this is just an absolute, absolute waste. And then, mm-hmm. like, okay, he's, I mean, the orgy, like, go away. <laughs> right. like, and so it really comes into who is this movie for? Right. So, you know, topics like orgy and then the fact that Thor and Natalie say shitty a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, okay, if you're making this basically a cartoon for kids, you're giving based on the slapstickiness, fine. But then you're adding, I'm going to say orgy 10 times. Mm -hmm. And then like these concepts, like, I don't know who this movie is for. Right. Other than Taika, you know, I, that, 
all that dynamic was was really really bad. Yeah, I, I didn't like any of the Zeus stuff. You know, whatever. So you got a Thunderbolt, but then it really didn't even. I mean, he uses it in the end against Gore, but you don't really have an understanding of like why. Why is that better than Stormbreaker? You know, like again, sense of scale. Like, why is this thunder? Like, you never even gave me a one liner that says, "Oh my God, Zeus's Thunderbolt is known to." destroy everything it's ever touched. you know what i mean like something stupid like that you don't even give me that so it's like okay cool you have you have zeus's thunderbolt like again i can fill in gaps and understand that that's probably something of mighty power but you're not really helping me along in that or even tie it into like you said the 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 darkness scene of the Mm -hmm. thunderbolt brings the light or something you know you strike him with that i don't know yeah well and i think that didn't even break the necro sword did it no, that was Thor. Well, I think Thor was holding one end of it, like pinned he was it. just holding it in place and then the hammer. Yeah. So, you know, it's whatever. I, I thought it was, I don't think anybody is really going to like the Zeus scenes, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then even worse, you know, skipping ahead, I thought that the fact that he's still alive was just trash. You know, he Thor throws the bolt at him, kills his idol, you know, whatever. Zeus is dead. Well, no, no, he's not. Um, so I was like, that's, that's lame. That's stupid. And then, you know, post credit scene, we hop into seeing another God and we see Hercules and it's just like, whatever. I don't even demigod. I don't even care. Like, so, okay. Let let me, it's a terrible way to introduce him. Why not have him in the movie? Well, right. So I have, let's go ahead and skip to this. Cause like one, I don't understand why, like, (laughs) okay. So post credit scenes were most often designed to like tease the next thing or, if not tease the next thing, like sort of give you that little nugget as to how it's all interwoven into mm-hmm. other movies. We're, we're totally away from that now. Like to your point earlier in Shang-Chi, they referenced the power of the rings that hasn't been paid off yet. Um, right. Now we're, we, we give you Hercules and it's like, well, okay. So you're giving me a tease that's only in the scope of this story that you told. So I don't really understand how that plays into anything else. Secondly, I think the casting is atrocious on that. And don't don't get me wrong, I like Roy Kent and Ted Lasso. He's great oh, yeah. in that role. I don't remotely see how he's Hercules at all. <laughs> no. I just don't see it. I mean, the voice, the look, the stature, I, I don't see any of it. So I'm I'm really not sure where this casting is coming from. Um and then I'll talk about the the other end credit scene where Natalie Portman is now in Valhalla with Heimdall and it's just like what what are these payoffs here all, all you've shown me now is I might get Hercules in another Thor movie and I don't really care and I don't know where that plot line goes and then now you're introducing Valhalla which so now that brings back Odin and Hela and all these other gods are there so like nobody's truly dead in the MCU once again why do why what are we doing what do I care about this so okay so the end scene with Natalie uh I'm like okay are they trying to go the comics route where she does die, but then she becomes Valkyrie of mm-hmm. ushering the people. And so she's a different hero. She's not Thor anymore. She's Valkyrie, but we already have Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. And so you don't need her to become that because we already have Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, we're, we're mixing those two and we're just going to weed out Tessa Thompson as, as that character, or you leave Natalie dead, mm-hmm. which you should have. And assume, I guess you assume that she goes to Valhalla you know, and we can maybe explore that later. But now mm-hmm. you, similar to to Doctor Strange, of uh, you have him freak out on the street with his the eye that comes into his head, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening, Doctor Strange? 
then the ne- the end credit scene shows that he's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? And so you so you immediately take yourself out. Oh, I'm really sad for Natalie Portman. Oh, well, Natalie Portman's fine. You know, <laughs> s- same right. same idea there. You just ruined whatever payoff that you had. Yep. I I don't I just don't understand it. It's um. I've said this before, but Marvel already has a stakes problem just conceptually with like, you never feel like anybody's really at risk. Like the only time you ever really felt that was Thanos and infinity war and in game. And even with the end of infinity war, you just kind of knew like these, most of these guys are coming back. Right. Right. But now you have this problem where <laughs> in just this movie, Zeus was supposedly dead. He's not Tessa Thompson looked like she might've died, but was just a flesh wound. Korg looked like he died. No, he's not dead. Natalie Portman technically did die. Well, no, now she's in Valhalla. It's like, so then you factor in just this movie plus multiverse concepts. Plus we've already had time travel in the Infinity movies. So it's like, you're, you're getting yourself to a point where it's, I, I feel like I'm just watching movies where nothing's at risk. Like wh- what is my skin in the game at this point? Like the only people that I've ever that are you know, truly gone, you know, air quotes here in Marvel world is like either villains or Natasha and Tony Stark. Right. I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's not a lot of people to have lost in all these movies. So like at some point you're just going to get sick and tired of watching superheroes bash up against each other and no stakes. So like, I just don't understand why you would do that. Like, and especially if you never pay off Valhalla, then it's like okay, you cool. They're in Valhalla, but like I, I don't know. I we're, we well, just gotta figure out something. Them dying, which I, I agree. You know, you have to have some stakes. But Christian Bale dying made no sense. The gore got like why? Right? Like why did he die? Because you explain that he's tied to the Necro Sword, and so he's dying. I, I think you that's kind of it. Just, like, what? Like, the, but there's no like. Oh, I'm dying, but I'll make this wish. Like, wait, what? Like, yeah. why are you dying? You're not, you, he had no wounds on him. Yeah. But you're supposed to make that leap of without the sword, all of a sudden he's, he's right. dead or dying. Yeah. Okay. Stupid. Uh, we get introduced to eternity for some reason. I don't know why we're doing that. Uh, and you just, you get a wish if you reach eternity. <laughs> I guess so. Like, did we not watch Wonder Woman, you know, two? <laughs> right. Like, the wish. And that's the wish that he makes is make his daughter. Now there is a character of eternity. That's a little girl uh, in the comics. And that's how we got to this. And are we really going to use a godlike eternity child going forward? Yeah. Like if we do like, it's the, again, the scale is so ridiculous that now that we have this little girl with Thor, like, she can do basically anything she wants. Mm-hmm. It's, Ooh, what what villain are we gonna encounter? Yeah, I, I just thought the ending was a little bit weird. Like, yes, Gore wanted his daughter to continue to live, but you know, is that really his wish for her to live in a world without him and not know anybody and just randomly go with Thor because he didn't really pay off again? Like to my comment earlier, it wasn't mm-hmm. like he saw that oh Thor was this caring and whatever god that would look after his daughter so here i want my daughter to live and you can take care of her kind of thing that that wasn't paid off so it's like you just asked for your daughter to come back to live and you're sending her with like this stranger that you were just trying to kill five minutes ago with no emotional payoff here so i actually thought what gore was going to do would be like all right well i'm going to go die and be with my daughter you can have natalie portman back um you know that kind of even that wouldn't have been paid off really so it's just it's just kind of a weird thing and 
I don't even know if I really am digging the setup of like what this means for Thor going forward. And truthfully, I was telling my family, like I, I could see them writing off the little girl in you know, a quick montage at the beginning, like they did with Thor losing weight. It's like, well, you know, I got her where she needed to be and she's off doing her own adventures. And now I'm off over here doing my own adventures. Cause like, <laughs> are they really going to do Thor and a little girl in Thor? What? Five, Thor five. Thor th- yeah. Yeah. Well, and like to your point, Thor's motivations to fight gore are self-serving. So mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, it's, he's trying to keep gore from killing all the gods. Right. Right. And, all he's doing is fighting a guy who's killing gods like himself and trying to keep him safe. He's not – there's no re- redemption in Gore's mind of what Thor is doing. Now, mm-hmm. had Thor been following the trail of dead gods and trying to keep those people, you know, with water or th- thunder or, you know, whatever he brings of some sort of trying to help people, then maybe Gore could have seen what he had done. Mm-hmm. You know, in the absence of their gods, that he is worthy, but nothing that this showed at all. Mm-hmm. So anything other than selfishness on Thor's part of why he wanted Gore dead. Yep, I agree. So I'll give you my daughter, but I'm going to give her all these powers. Yeah, I, I'm not going to wish for myself to live with her. Yep, yep, yeah. Um, the the last thing I have for spoilers, that I wanted to kind of get your input on was I spent however many years between. In game in this, which I don't want to kill what three years or whatever, assuming that what this movie would be is Thor 3.5 and Guardians 2.5. And that was not the case because mm-hmm. I think everybody loved, to your point earlier, the interactions with Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth, especially in Infinity War. There wasn't as much in Endgame, but especially in Infinity War. And like that team up was like, oh God. The way Thor's character is going is going to mesh so great comedically with the Guardians. It's going to be a lot of fun. Guardians were in the first five minutes and they pieced out. And I think there's going to be a lot of people disappointed at that. And then if you add in the fact that if Guardians 3 follows chronologically, then there's really not going to be any Thor and Guardians in Guardians 3. So I think they missed the mark on what everybody was kind of hoping for here. I'm not, I'm not saying it needed to be exactly guardians 2.5 and Thor 3.5, but it needed a lot more of those groups working together. I think to really hit that audience thing. I mean, my whole family said it. We're like, Oh, I I wanted more of that. What? 100%. And Chris Pratt was all of a sudden enamored with Thor. When right. before he was more jealous of this is my team, this is my ship, and I'm just as good as you. I'm just not a god. But but in this, it, it was a uh, oh yeah, he's he's the guy, you know. And so you you miss that dynamic. Everybody else yeah. on the team had that of oh we're enamored with Thor, but but uh, Star Lord was always uh, his arms aren't that big, right? <laughs> you know, but to, I, to, I think I think what they were trying to set up there, and again, you can see hints of it, but it's not quite there. Is that they probably realized from hanging out with him that he's kind of an idiot. He's kind of self-centered. You know, they were like, Hey, call in the big guy. But then it was like, you could just feel the eye rolls with everything he was doing. Right. So like, then when they get on the end of this, like at the end of their little interaction, you can even like Chris Pratt's the one trying to teach Chris Hemsworth about how to live life. Right. So I think they, I think the undertone there is that Chris Pratt, star Lord and the guardians kind of realize that, yeah, Thor's immensely powerful and a God and can do all this, but he's also, 
a shell of a person. And so they all kind of feel like, yeah, dude, like whatever you're, you're cool and powerful, but you, you know, you're, you're, you're not all that we thought you would be again. They didn't show that, but I feel like that's the undercurrent of what's there. Yeah. But even star Lord mouthing his battle cry, you know, Oh, that's so cool. You know, <laughs> I liked somebody doing that. Uh, but I wish it was like Drax. You well, know, I thought he do, was mocking him doing that. No, he said he loved it. Oh, okay. I thought he was so. I can't wait for this part, and he was happy that that that's what was coming next. Gotcha. I I'd have to was, watch that again. But it, it was almost like he like idolizes Thor now, you know, yeah. versus the the dynamic that they left us with, which I thought that was the funny play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd have been really cool, like if it was Rocket or I mean, Rock, yeah, Rocket or uh, Drax mm-hmm. doing doing that line, but. Uh, and we've mentioned CGI, but we have a s- standard of what Groot looks like. Yeah. This looked terrible. It did. Like, why not make him look like Groot? I don't know. Because <laughs> Rocket didn't really look all that different. He d- he didn't. No. Uh, I don't think... I want to say Rocket looked worse also, but mm-hmm. my attention and my wife's attention, that's... At her comment, she's like, why did Groot look so bad? I'm like, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Everything was kind of happening fast around Groot, but he looked bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know what Groot's supposed to look like. He's been the same throughout all the movies, and this looks like garbage. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't good. I, I don't think any of the CGI was overly great. But, yeah, I just uh, – I, I think the excitement for people to see the two Chris's together and having some comedy and stuff, unless Guardians 3 takes place before Thor – you Love won't. and Thunder. It, yeah, I agree with you. It yeah. won't, especially because everything we're hearing about Guardians 3 is that this is going to be a big send-off for the Guardians as we know it. I mean, I don't know really what that means in terms of Marvel, of like, is are people dying? Are they just splitting up? Is it just temporary? I don't know, but like every nugget that you hear from James Gunn and others just seems to be like, this is the end of this run for these Guardians. And... It's a shame you should have had, like you said, your point five of this. The mm-hmm. gore should not have been in this movie. Now the apartment should not have been in this movie. They should have been Guardians and Thor, mm-hmm. and their their antics get together because that's where they left us. But see, I think, I think there's probably an interesting parallel if this really was Guardians two point five and Thor uh, three point five with Chris Star Lord's. I need to stop calling Star Lord's search for Gamora. And Thor's search or whatever is going to go on with Natalie Portman. I think that'd be two love stories that could have some parallels, them finding each other, finding, you know, Chris Pratt trying to regain his love, Chris Thor trying to figure out, you know, what it's like to (laughs) be in love and all that. Like, I think that works. And yes, you'd probably have to take gore out of it because it's too much. But I think, I think those are, you know, clearly two paths that you could tell a alternating story and weave that in there. I agree. And make, yeah, make the whole thing about about love, like yes. the title suggests, mm-hmm. and then the God Butcher for something a little bit more butchery of gods. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was disappointing. Yeah. yeah, which I think is the tagline for this movie. Is mm-hmm. That was disappointing. I'd be lying if I didn't agree with you. I, I still think, to me, I I liked it, but yes, it comes with a heavy dose of disappointment and resetting of expectations before I watch this movie because it just it it 
it did a lot of things different than what I expected. And then the things that it did try to do left me a little dissatisfied. But overall, I still enjoyed it in the pantheon of MCU movies. Well, and you, you mentioned Black Panther. That's our next one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our next motion picture. And we don't even have a poster. Uh, we have no idea what's mm-hmm. going to happen. We don't have a, a teaser. We don't have a poster. We don't know who's in it. Right. Um, and they, they played Thor Love and Thunder pretty close to the vest, though. Like, I think I, I read somewhere that the the gap between the number of days from first teaser to release date for Thor was like the shortest almost that MCU's ever done. So it feels like they're trying to... But we knew Natalie had the hammer from yes, Comic-Con. They, we, we knew Christian Bale. Yes. Um, I saw some fan art of maybe Namor being mm-hmm. in this, but I don't know if that's confirmed. No, uh, I don't know either. But it's... Which, I, again, Black Panther is going to be. I'm fine with. Like, stop showing me stuff. You know, right. I mean, we've talked about this right. till we're blue in the face. But to me, it's like, show me less, but execute more. And right now we're in a phase of, you know, you're still showing me a little too much and then you're not really executing. So it's, I think MCU, because of what, they've got Black Panther. We, well, we got She-Hulk coming up in August, I think. We've got Black Panther in the fall. We have Guardians Holiday Special in December, which is a TV thing. And then I'm, I'm not really sure about the, the release schedule after that. So I know what gets us through the end of the year, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure where we go after that. Well, and Thor was supposed to get us through projects that were questionable, and we just added more questions of yeah. the future of the MCU. So agreed, agreed. Unfortunate, we're we're putting it on Black Panther when we don't <laughs> even have Black Panther. You know, we don't have. T'challa. I'm not putting anything on Black Panther. I I don't think. I mean, th- that's not a knock on the franchise. I enjoyed the first Black Panther. I just don't see how the characters and the storylines that we know of Black Panther remotely resolves any of the issues that you and I brought up. I think Black Panther is going to be in isolation, just like Thor felt like it was in isolation. I don't see Black Panther touching on multiverse. I don't see Black Panther touching on things that were in Hawkeye or Ms. Marvel. Um, I I think we are, yes, I think we are going to walk away from Black, oh, Quantumania is what's coming in the spring. So, okay. That is the one I've always heard rumored that would would kind of come full would circle. Make everything with, make with, sense well, for no, us. No, 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 not everything. <laughs> it would address King and some of that other stuff. That's the rumor right. on that one. But I think Black Panther is going to be yet another movie that's in isolation, that introduces its own thread of stuff that in no way ties back to the larger picture. I think we're going to walk away from Black Panther feeling the exact same we do about Thor, which is fine, whatever, good movie, maybe great movie, maybe not so good movie. But I think we're going to walk away saying. I still don't know where we're at in this phase. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. Okay. So that's going to do it for Thor Love and Thunder. And we will be back in a few weeks with Nope is our, our next one. Um, but yeah, Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. You can find me at, at Two Views Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. You can find our show... Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Two Views Movies, or you can always email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen. We are there, and we'll be back at the end of July-ish with Jordan Peele's Nope. We'll catch you then. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad, bit of both, bit of both.